0: how she bounced around from industry to industry seeking her dream career. The biggest screw up that her and her team had when they had an event that was way less successful than they anticipated. Her story from complacency to never settling and so much more coming right up. This is episode number two, three, five with director of sales and marketing for Canada's top real estate firm, Laura Stewart. Hey everyone and welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. I'm here because you want to become the best version of yourself, but there are so many things that you need to do in order to get there. And because it's overwhelmingly complicated, it's easy to lose focus, easy to lose a sense of direction, which is why so many people fall short of their true potential. And that's why I create videos, podcasts, and fitness programs to keep you on track to your best you. Go to nickcarrier.com to learn more. Today I'm super pumped to bring you the one and only Laura Stewart. Laura is the director of sales and marketing for Canada's top real estate firm, REC Canada. This is the company that is run by my recent podcast guest, Jazz Takar. If y'all have not listened to that episode, you need to go back and listen to it. It's episode number 215. Laura is a ball of energy herself, a ball of helpful insights, and she has some great stories as well that I can't wait for you to learn and listen to. I personally can't wait for you to hear about her story when her group had a super unsuccessful property showing and what they learned from it. Be sure to follow me on Instagram at Carrier underscore best you and follow Laura at Laura Stewart too. And you can find the link to her blog and all the show notes at nickcarrier.com slash podcast. Now, before we dive into the episode, I know that Monday mornings can be sometimes the bane of your existence. It can seem impossible to get motivated on a Monday morning, but not if you receive my Monday Motivation Trio 111 newsletter. Every single Monday, I send out one motivational quote, one inspiring video, and one killer workout to get your week started off. With a bang. Just go to nickcarrier.com slash 111 newsletter. Like literally pause this episode right now, take out your phone, nickcarrier.com slash 111 newsletter, and get motivated every single Monday morning. Without further ado, here's to getting closer and closer to your best you with the one and only Laura Stewart. All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. I'm super pumped today to have the one and only Laura Stewart with me today. Laura, I just want to start off by saying thanks so much for spending the time with me today.
1: Well, Nick, thank you for having me.
0: Of course. Of course. It's going to be a ton of fun. So I got introduced to Laura through Jazz Takar, who I had uh, on about a month or a month and a half ago, and we had an awesome conversation. Uh, He's such an energetic and, and positive individual, and I've been able to watch some of uh, y'all's interactions on some of your YouTube videos and some of yours podcasts together. So I know I'm super excited to, to talk to you today. But to introduce you a little bit further, you're the director of sales and marketing for Canada's top real estate firm that you work with uh, Jazz in that I just mentioned. Uh, but you've really spent the last 15 years navigating your way through your career through a lot of different industries like nutrition, like we talked about, kind of in the be- beginning, then concierge services to special needs caregiver uh, into the fashion industry, and like we, like you talked about, uh, you went to undergrad for nutrition, but then you got a master's in business. In the last five years, you've really been into real estate. And so, the way I kind of want to start is, you've been jumping around from a lot of different industries, like right. So, what was that like over the the last, I guess, kind of that ten year period or so from you? jumping around from industry to industry were you like where the heck am I going did you feel lost or just like tell me about that time period oh my
1: gosh Nick it's funny I've never really heard it back said to me in my own life and it just made me realize really just how much I've jumped around like if you can name an industry I've probably worked in it some way somehow um I mean to take you all the way back to my undergraduate degree uh going you know high school is such a funny time in life right because you have to pick what you're going to major in or what you're going to do so early on and it just so happened that at that time science was really the if you want to be successful you'll get into science right um now it's kind of like where you hear a lot of people saying well if you want to be successful be an entrepreneur work for yourself so that's kind of the trend of the day but back in my in that day science was the key and i was like well i want to be successful so let me set myself up for success so spoke to my guidance counselor she was like science is the way you need to go back and do your chemistry your biology so i did that took summer school got the grades got into this incredible program we only have really one program of this nature here in canada um so I was very lucky to get in. It was also what we called the double cohort here in, in Ontario, where we had two graduating classes at the same time. So we used to go up to grade 13. Now it only goes up to grade 12, but I was the final year of grade 13. And so grade 12s and 13s were graduating and 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 applying for university all the same year. So it was like double the applicants. So I felt very, very lucky and grateful to get into this program. And then, you know, what's so sad, I started at a very early on, I was like, man, I suck at science. <laughs> this is so difficult for me. I spent so many nights crying and stressed, anxiety ridden over my lack of understanding what was going on. And, all these other kids, it seemed to come so easy to them. And and I guess my desire to succeed was really why I did it. But I, I kind of learned early on that I probably wasn't in the right place. Nonetheless, I had committed to it. And so I decided to finish. Um, but then as soon as that was over, as soon as my four-year stint at university was over, I was like, I'm done. I'm not doing that. I'm going to start over. So I'm 22. It's fresh. Like, what do I do with my life? Um, fear a little bit because you know, I had committed all that time, but I still knew 22, I was relatively young, so I could do anything. So I got a job downtown Toronto, I knew I wanted to be in the hustle and bustle of the city, got this awesome job, I thought this, this is gonna be my next career move. It it was a small startup company where we helped, um, I guess, wealthy people in Toronto, essentially, um, with their household tasks. So what we would do is like, we would organize a trip for them, send them off on their fantastic like yacht trip in the caribbean or something like that in the meantime we would then go into their house redo their bathrooms make sure their dog was fed um and, you know make sure the the lawn was mowed the east troughs were clean and do, did all those household chores for them and i thought that was kind of a, a neat a neat industry to be in it certainly yeah. got me to see the lifestyle of like really successful people and i was like i want to i want to be like this but i was a, uh, an assistant at that I, at that time because I really didn't have any background right in in design or, or travel um so I was like I don't know if I can do this forever this is this is painful and I decided okay fashion fashion it is I love fashion it's something I I spend a lot of my free time on right so I, I was starting to do a lot of that self-assessment like where do I put my time when I'm at home and it was flipping through magazines and and putting outfits together so I thought that that's it. That's what I'm going to go into. So I jumped right in. I went back to school and got a certificate so I could help department stores buy clothing and goods um, to sell, obviously. And then I soon realized after that, I would rather be the person shopping at the luxury department store than the person doing buying for the luxury department store. So quit that. Now I'm 26 years old. And I, uh, you know, a family friend said, look, we have a special needs daughter. We need some help. Why don't you come work for us while you figure your shit out? Sorry for, for swearing, but like, you <laughs> need to okay. figure it out. And, and I did, right? I, I knew I did. And I knew that now at 26, like some of my friends, like they've, they've gotten like a promotion already at work. And I'm, I'm essentially a glorified nanny, right? Um, so that was a bit anxiety ridden. Um, and you know, I, I like to say, I really just had to stay course. I had to dig deep inside myself and like say, this is what you're supposed to do. This is supposed to be it. So I said, look, let's go back to school in the evenings. I never, I, I, I'm a firm believer in education. I feel like it opens more doors than it closes. Luckily here in Canada, we don't have the same types of tuition fees that you guys do down there. Our government subsidizes a bit of it for us. So, you know, it, it's not like I was going to be going into an insane amount of debt by doing so. And I thought there I'll figure it out, right? Like, let me go to school. I'm going to meet some people. I'm going to take some courses and I'll figure it out. And then while at school in the evenings, caregiver during the day, that's when all of a sudden I said, I want to be a real estate agent. That's it. That's the key. And now here I am. And it's funny because a lot of people said, you know, you don't need an MBA. To, to be a real estate agent. I don't even think you need your high school diploma to be a real estate agent. So I'm a little qualified for the job, but having said that, you know, I, I know that's a, a long way to answer your question, but it, it was filled with anxiety. It was filled yeah. with doubt. But at the end of the day, I just knew I kept wanting more. I wanted more for myself and I wasn't going to sit there and be content until I found happiness. So that's really what drove me.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's the moral of the story. It's, it's not like the anxiety part of it didn't stifle you from taking action. Like you were still just like, I want to figure out what that thing is. And like when you weren't satisfied after a year or two or however long with that thing, you're like, oh, I'm going to jump to this other thing because I have a little bit of interest there. And to me, <clears throat> the easiest way to answer the question when somebody asks is like, how do you figure out what you're passionate about? How do you figure out what career you should go into? It's like trial and error. It's like, that's really only the true way that you can, I feel like, get the best idea of what it is that you truly want to do. And and I think that's exactly what you did. And I think for you to, I think a lot of people over that time period would convince themselves that, oh, I'm 26. so I'm 27 or 28, whatever age, like it's too late for me to change my career. It's too late for me to change my job and, and that sort of thing. So if somebody is saying that to themselves that it's too late to to change and, and jump. What would you say to that person?
1: Great question. So when I was 26, starting my, my MBA, I'd finished the first term, right. Of, of what would be six terms. And I worked so hard. I was so tired. And I thought three more years of this is going to be so daunting. Like I can't even believe it. Plus, was like three years, I'm going to be 29. I'm pretty much dead. Like, you know, when you're 20, well, I don't, you probably not even 26 yet, but like when you're 26, you feel like 30 is like the end of the road. Um, now I'm, I'm 35 and I, you know, looking back, I wish I was 29, but that seems so old to me. Um, my advice, like what my advice was to myself was, okay, well, a, how can we fast track this? So I took my three-year degree and I actually fast-tracked it, which means I took an extra course every semester so that I could graduate early. So I did myself a favor. And even though I knew the workload was going to be more difficult now, today, I'd be done it sooner. And to me, I kind of always look at it like no pain, no gain. Like You need to put the, the reps in now so that you can look back on it and thank yourself for doing all that hard work because the time's going to pass one way or the other. That three years went by like that you know what I mean? And so I was able to actually do it in two and a half years. And so I would say just get started and do all the hard stuff first. That's actually how I view my whole life. I get up really, really early in the morning. uh, Well, five o'clock, sometimes 4.30. And I would say that's the hardest part of my day, getting out of bed at 4.30 in the morning and and getting that workout in. And so I, I kind of view my whole life like that, get the hard stuff done first.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's a, an awesome way to to view every single day and to view life for sure to get the hard stuff done first to set yourself up for success. Um what I know that you kind of jumped into real estate or like part of the jump was that your husband is in real estate, correct? And so what was what was that jump like? And you, you had already moved a lot of different industries, so you had kind of s- stepped into something where you had never been into before, so you had kind of worked that or built that muscle a little bit of stepping into kind of like unchartered territories, if you will. So what was that step into real estate like? Did you feel like you weren't really that nervous because you, you were going to figure it out? Or, or what did that kind of leap of faith, if you will, feel like for you?
1: Yeah, I got to say, I, I'm super, super lucky to have seen firsthandedly the, my husband go through the trials and errors of, of really being your own boss um he does commercial real estate so it is different than what i do which is residential real estate but i got to see the anxiety of a person who on january 1st he doesn't know where the next paycheck is and actually every time he gets a paycheck he doesn't know when the next one one is coming and so there's a lot of uncertainty there up until this point i had always had a salary job Um, I wasn't necessarily like a naturally born salesperson. So I knew my learning curve would be great. I was lucky because I had him to sort of fall back on. Financially, like he was supporting me as well. Um, And so that always helps. And I know, you know, some people, they're a little bit luckier than others. They might have their parents who can help out or they're living at home. Um, and, and so you kind of got like, whatever your opportunity is, you, you got to take. Um, but definitely, I mean, those first couple months I was freaked out every single phone call I made to a, to a potential client. I had it scripted, like on a piece of paper, I would write out like word for word what I was going to say and pretty much anything that they said back. I didn't know the answer to, right. Um, I didn't have the education in real estate. And so I think that's important, like whatever you end up going into whatever avenue you you go into, just get started. Of course, I'm not saying like I should have spent the next year educating myself, but simultaneously you do need to really do a deep dive into the industry you're in, get to know those facts and figures as quickly as possible so that you're able to make an educated discussion with people. Ultimately, real estate is most people's largest transaction of their life, right? Unless they're buying like a yacht or or a second- house or cottage or whatnot um, but their primary residence is going to be their largest transaction and they want to transact with someone who knows what they're doing and so for me getting if, like information from my husband was great but I joined a team as you mentioned earlier I, I joined with jazz and that was really smart too because it fast-tracked my learning curve I essentially would get off the phone with a client call up jazz say I don't know what I was supposed to say this is what I said what would you have said and I got to learn a lot faster through osmosis
0: yeah, no, I think that's key because I know that I've had a conversations. I don't know what it is. I feel like it's people who are, like, young always think they need to have all the answers or know exactly how to do things when they they start a job, um, because I've heard that from so many people. Like when they're having like their first presentation ever or their first group thing, like first pitch in front of people ever, they're like, oh, like I'm so nervous. Like I don't have this down perfect. I'm like what did you expect? Like, they're not expecting you to be perfect. Um, and so the learning curve, I think early on is really key to like, know that there is a big learning curve early on, but if you can surround yourself with people to help you with that learning curve, then it's really key. Do you feel like there was anything in particular early on that you learned was that was maybe like one of the most important things that was like, oh, that is, that's like a huge learning, uh, learning topic that I, get, I got from them. And this is going to be really a big jumpstart for me.
1: Yeah, I think the greatest thing I learned in terms of sales is the follow-up. Like you cannot rest on your laurels. I got really lucky within the first month of me selling real estate. My very first sale was a $1.3 million tear down property. I didn't have to do open houses. We weren't even allowed to show the inside of the house because it was like, you couldn't go in. It was actually dangerous for for anyone to go in and see the house. It was a teardown. $1.3 million. I was like, you know what I mean? Like I got my check and I was like, this is the easiest money I've ever made. I almost made as much as I had made any year previous. Right. And so I was like, well, I got this down. Like, I don't know why everyone says so hard, but I think there was a bit of beginner's luck in that. And what I, what I learned the hard way was that you really need to create a database. And get everyone's information and follow up with them. Like you, you can never just rest on telling somebody I'm in real estate. For example, like every there's 56,000 real estate agents in the Greater Toronto area that I'm competing with on a daily basis. My personal group of friends, there's I think three or four real estate agents within that group of friends. So mm-hmm. just by me telling them that I'm a real estate agent is not going to be enough. It's following up and not necessarily like calling somebody and saying hey, are you thinking about selling your house? It's calling somebody up saying, did you get that email I sent with the market report or the statistics, or I did a deep dive in your neighborhood and your neighborhood's acting differently than other neighborhoods. I don't know if you do that. Is there anyone that this information might be useful to? You got to continue to ask for business, not necessarily from that person, but from the people those people know. And so that was, that was, again, I learned that the hard way, but since I've, uh, jazz has has sort of beaten it into me
0: <laughs> yeah no i think that's i think that's really key i think you know whether or not you're in in sales i think following up is sometimes following up with anybody whether it's a, a friend you haven't s- seen in a in a long time or just like following up on an on an email to a coworker or to to somebody you're working with a lot of people think it's like too pushy but it's like they could have just completely forgotten they could have gotten all the way to the bottom of their their inbox and i know for me that if somebody follows up with me and i'm just like oh my gosh like i actually wanted to reply to them or get back to them it just completely escaped my mind and got to the bottom of my inbox and so it's important to follow up with in whatever it is that you do um and to kind of to kind of stick on your story you said that you learned the hard way to kind of this lesson so tell me a little bit more about that and what was if there's maybe a story behind learning the hard way here
1: well, learning the hard way. Okay. So, uh, you know, I'm one month in, I got my paycheck and I am I said, well, why would I reinvent the wheel now? What I just did worked. And so I continued to do it, which was really sending out flyers to, to people's homes at the time. I mean, this is six years ago. I, I'm. There's better ways to do this now, but I was just kind of going flyer old school, what we call farming a neighborhood, right? So you pick a little neighborhood and you just continue to send them information. And that was working well for me. I got another listing within six months after that and I essentially triple ended that deal, which really means I got the listing, then I found the buyer and then the seller needed to buy a new place. So essentially it was like I did three deals from that one deal. Mm. So you can imagine the the money I made after that one. And uh, so I pretty much kind of just took it easy after that. I think quick money that seems easy to get um, is, is dangerous anything else in my life and i should have known this right from from my childhood and my and my 20s is hard you know success is hard there's a lot of hard work that goes into it and i i should have known a little bit sooner that if something came easy it probably wasn't going to stay and, and it might've just been a one-off and I just lucked out. I, I'm almost envious of the real estate agents I meet today. And they're, they're in like year two and they're like, oh, I'm grinding every day. And I've only done one deal. I'm like, trust me, you will thank yourself for that later. Um, because again, you put the reps in today and, and you, you're setting up those good routines, those good habits. I essentially just almost like took a really, really, really long vacation, which made it more difficult for me to get back in. I didn't get another deal. The second year I was in real estate, I only had one deal, I think that whole time, maybe a couple like lease deals here and there. And that's when I said, okay, I, I need to change it up. And so I, I spoke with Jazz and I said, I need to work closer with you. I, I need a mentor. I need someone to hold me accountable. I think that helps too for a lot of people in anything they do in life, whether it's like they want to start a gym routine or they want to eat healthy healthy or they want to quit smoking. You need someone to hold you accountable because for the most part, we're not really good bosses. And I certainly wasn't.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. What were maybe some of the most important, like when you made that step of kind of reaching out to jazz, like I need a mentor, I want to start making this change, because I'm not seeing the results that I want to see what were the maybe the most important habits or routines that you started to do like on a, on a, professional level and I guess in a, on a personal level that started to help you kind of turn that corner and start to either, maybe get more listings and get a little more successful with it?
1: Yeah, I, I think most of success for me at least starts at the very start of your day. In fact, almost the day before when I was resting on my laurels, I was probably still staying in my pajamas until noon you know like oh I'll just work from the kitchen table this is so great I love working for myself I don't have to race out of the house every day but like if you're dressed like that you're kind of mentally like that you're not really that committed and before I know it you know something comes on tv that I oh I'll just put this on for 20 minutes and before you know it, an hour and a half has gone by so nowadays and and what I started doing with jazz was saying like I'm gonna meet you at the office and so my routine now is as I told you, I I get up at 4.30. I usually write, like I'm a blog writer. um, So I'll write my blog post early in the morning. I find my mind is freshest in the morning. So that's when I'm most creative. And I can get the most work done with the least amount of like angst. Um, So I'll do my writing in the morning. Then I go down and I do my half hour workout. Um, I started implementing a meditation practice. It's only 10 minutes. And at first I thought, this is ridiculous. Like I'm not into this foo foo stuff. Um, in fact, it almost stressed me out more trying to start a meditation practice than not doing it at all. I was like, I don't understand why I would do this, but over time, again, just those little habits, I would just start with one minute, one minute, once a week. And now that's grown into something I do every single day. And so, and then I go and walk my dog. I love walking my dog, I, just getting outside. My husband and I can reconnect in the morning. We actually, we don't really do a lot of reconnection at night because we're both tired at the end of the day. I, I don't get home till eight. some nights. And so um, I do all that in the morning. I get all that stuff done in the morning and then I get to work. I'm usually at work by 8.30 and Jazz is always here before me waiting for me. Um, We always start the day with like, what did we accomplish yesterday? Where are we going? Who do we need to follow up with?
0: Gotcha. I love that. I love that routine. And uh, I think that it's, it's timely because I think a lot of people now who are maybe transitioning or have transitioned over the last number of months to working from home. I think in the beginning, and I, I had a conversation with somebody, uh, another business owner on my podcast about this, is a lot of people think early on when, like, oh, now I'm gonna work from home, like, it's gonna be awesome, like, this is gonna be so great. I have so much flexibility, I'm gonna be more productive, like, I don't have to travel to and from work. But it's like for most people, that's just not going to be the case. Like you're going to stay in your pajamas or not change. And and that just changes your, your state altogether. And if you don't go anywhere else, then you kind of, your mind doesn't necessarily shift. Or if you don't have somebody to hold you accountable, like there's so many different things that make working from home so much more difficult. And so for those of you listening, if you're working from home, make sure you don't get into the trap of like not being able to hold yourself accountable and not staying disciplined, and I and I think for you to take that step and being like, I'm gonna meet you at the office and we're gonna make this thing happen. Yeah, um, I did huge, all the wrong uh,
1: things. I really did. I did stereotypically. I fell into the trap that every real estate agent does and most salespeople who are running their own book of business do. It, it's 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 quintess it's quintessential. It's it's stereotypical, really. Everyone does it, or a lot of people do it. And I was like, no, no, that's not me. I have good work ethic. Well, you know what? <laughs> turns out i i didn't really when i was only holding myself accountable right It's, it's good to have somebody else that is press pressuring you to get there and work hard because you want to work hard and achieve more for them than yourself
0: yeah i mean i think it's funny because i think a lot of people can have a really good work ethic in certain environments but sometimes if an environment changes then for whatever reason they're not able to sustain that level of work ethic. And so it's kind of like a different muscle that you have to form in order to to be able to still keep that work ethic in a different environment. I don't know. I was just kind of thinking about that as you said that. But um, there was a different there was another story that I that I heard on on one of the podcasts that you did where you had uh, an event or a showing and kind of leading up to it, you thought that there was going to be so many people there. There's going to be like 50 plus people there and you guys were preparing for this big thing and you got you guys rented a couple buses for it and everything like that. You were so excited. Then the day came and then there was like maybe five people there or something like that. And you, and you were kind of disappointed. So I want you to kind of recount that story a little bit for, for everybody and then like kind of your takeaway or your lesson from it.
1: Wow. Um, you brought me back there. I had to take a sip of water. I wish it was vodka in here. That was a, a, <laughs> a, tough learning, a tough learning experience. You just brought me back and I wasn't expecting that today. So thank you for kind of diving into the archives there. Um, so really what happened was the REC team was, ho- was um, run by three, three members, Jazz, his business partner today, Simeon, and there was a third business partner, Simon. And unfortunately, Simon had kind of passed away somewhat tragically, certainly unexpectedly. And um, that kind of sent the team in for a bit of a, a tailspin because he was the face of the brand. I mean, he was the one going out. He was the one that a lot of our clients connected with. We kind of more so executed the deals. We, we did more of the, the paperwork and whatnot, but he was really the face of the brand. And now all of a sudden the face of the brand is gone. And a lot of clients that you know they had just overheard how it all went down, and um, they they were uncomfortable, right? Because um, there were no answers. We really had no answers. And in the the next couple months, like things just kept falling apart, unraveling, unraveling. We all showed up to work every day, and we would like laugh cry. I would almost say like where you're laughing but you're really crying inside. <laughs> um because we just tried to make it as enjoyable an experience as we could we were we were like this close to closing up shop and just saying forget it let's all go our own separate ways screw the team we'll just be individual real estate agents i'll just work my own book of business we don't we don't need all this headache we decided we were going to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and this was going to be our first major launch like we're back we're doing this we made i personally probably made 150 calls in a in an A very short period of time like over a couple days we we got all this interest facebook ads google ads we got tons of people interested in in what was going to be a student housing investment property um just outside the city of toronto and the event was going to be that we were going to bring everybody on a bus we're going to bring them to the to the actual unit so they could see for themselves like this is what it is and they would get to walk around the university and see how the university was growing and we the night day before we had like I think, I think it was like 70 people registered or something like that, which we knew like that's couples, right? So 70 people probably works out to being roughly 30 actual potential units that we would sell. We needed two buses to, or sorry, one big, big bus to bring everybody. Like think of a big Greyhound bus we rented. We were pumped. It was the middle of winter though. It was a really cold morning. And all the staff shows up and we're all like, this is gonna be amazing. It's our comeback story. And then four people show up. And not for new people from like the Google ads or, or the Facebook ads. I'm talking for people who had already purchased. So no net new possibilities of a sale mm-hmm. and we, they show up. Cause they're like, well, we want to see our property that we bought through you that we never actually got to see. And we closed the doors to that bus. We waited for a while. No one showed. We called people because they had just confirmed yesterday. We called them on the phone and they said, yes, I'm coming and I'm a vegetarian. So please make sure you get my meal straight. No one showed. And we did it anyways. We, we took those four people about a, on a two hour drive outside the city, showed them the property, did the presentation, fed them. Obviously, we had way too much food and brought them back. And it, that, was a, that was a tough day. Like talk about a loss after we had just lost so much. Um, It was very disheartening, but what I gained from that was the people that were on that bus, like not, not the clients, although of course we're very thankful to the, to those clients, but between the partners and all the staff that was there, I mean, I couldn't have been more thankful for that group of people because we just put a smile on our face and we worked it. Like we just did it as if this was the plan all along. No one looked disappointed. We all made the best of it, and I think when when you realize you kind of have soldiers like that around you, like an army of people, it just makes you go. With that mentality, we can do anything. We can do anything. We're gonna take this loss, and we're gonna we're gonna figure it out. And we did. And the very next year, we ended up going from third in the country to the very first team in the country. So it was very very. It was an important loss, one that kicked us in the butt a little bit.
0: Do you think you guys would have made that jump if you didn't ha- haven't hadn't had, had that experience?
1: You know, tough question, Nick. Because who really knows? Yeah. But I like to think that there's always there's more that you can learn from your failures, right? If things work well, I mean, there's so many things that could have contributed to something going well. Um, where the losses, like you, you know, you can write them out. Like, we knew what it was. These people didn't really know us. We did this big tour in the middle of winter in Canada. Like, it's really cold here in the winter. Um, we did it on a weekend. Like, all these things, you know, we could have changed. Um, and, and we got a little bit smarter with our time because of it. So we started doing events in our actual office, as opposed to bringing people around. We got better with, let's take a film crew and go have them film it first and then just send people a webinar. So we're, mm. you know, it make it forces you to get creative. And so I really do think that that loss was actually the, the catalyst for a lot of change here. So I, I attribute a lot of our success to that.
0: Yeah. Well, I think one of the biggest, the big takeaways from hearing you answer that last question is like, you guys really evaluated like actually what went wrong here. Like, you evaluated, like, okay, well, it was in the middle of winter in Canada. Like, we actually didn't know them that well. And there, was this, there were these other things that maybe we could have done differently, whereas a lot of people, you know, could have had something like that. And, like, okay, let's just, like, forget about it and let's just move on. Well, it's like, no, you don't want to just forget about it. Like, you want to ask the questions and be curious as to why that happened so that next time if you do something like it again, then it doesn't repeat itself. So I think that was a big step that that y'all took and and uh, we're able to definitely learn from for sure.
1: Yeah, I think like debriefing is is a very important thing, whether something's successful or not. We just hosted a 10-hour a real estate – sorry, 12-hour real estate real marathon. Real estate marathon? Excuse me. Yeah, and it was 12 hours straight of nonstop footage, um, which was insane, insane to do. I don't think anyone's done it. I think it's like the world's first ever – webinar of that kind and um it so we thought it was a huge success there was a ton of people on we got tons of great feedback and so that night like after the the marathon was over we we celebrated right but the next day or the next work day when we did come to work it, first things first let's debrief what went wrong like we celebrated our success and i think that's important too but there's always always room for improvement and I am the biggest stickler. Like I spend an ungodly amount of time on self-reflection. You know, I'll probably reflect on this podcast later today or tonight when I'm laying in bed. And some people will say, well, why do you do that? You, you can't change it. You can't change it at this point. And yes, that's true. And I'm not really reflecting from a, oh my God, I should have said this. Oh my God, I should have said this. I'm more so reflecting like, what did I say? How did I say it? How can it be better? Um, not in, in the sense of, of judging myself but in the sense of like, there's always, always room for improvement. And, and I think that's why I, I've made a lot of decisions I have in my life. I spend, like I said, an ungodly amount of time on that. And I think when, the more you get to know yourself and whether you work for a team, the more you get to understand the nuances of a team and the more you sit there in reflection um, is very, very helpful. It allows you to, to never make those same mistakes again. At the same time, I don't want people to hear it like paralysis by analysis. Yeah. that's that's not effective either right like you can you can spend too much time into the what went wrong what went wrong what went wrong eventually you have to just move on and start executing again but yeah. I do think there's there's uh you know it's it's always in the gray right it's not nothing's black or white there's always that sweet spot so to speak um and but I I think that people should do it in their business and in their personal life
0: yeah yeah I kind of uh so I, I do fitness goal setting coaching and I talk about kind of a a similar type thing, but when I'm holding, I have accountability sessions with a lot of different people that I work with. And so I talk about how we need to enter the accountability session with not criticism, but curiosity. Because a lot of people, when they like go back and they see whether or not they did this thing that they were supposed to do, whether or not they did the workout, whether or not they ate the healthy meals, they'll just be critical of themselves. They'll be like, just like, dang it, Nick, why didn't you do it? Like you're so not disciplined, you idiot. That, That sort of thing. But it's like, no, don't come at yourself with criticism, come at yourself with curiosity and ask yourself, okay, why didn't I actually do it? One, because it's just like, it doesn't do you any good to be mean to yourself and just like beat yourself up. But two, it like, it can actually give you answers to, to saying what you can do differently the next time. And so that's kind of what I thought about when, uh, when you said that. Um, so I know obviously you kind of, uh, the producer of y'all's podcast, I believe, and you're on with jazz a decent amount. So have you always, you kind of seemed like you've had you have the other personality of someone who would be pretty natural kind of going into uh, getting on a microphone or speaking in front of people or being on camera. But what was that like when you kind of started to get into that a little bit more?
1: I'm kind of laughing because there's a camera on, we have a media squad team and there's a camera here beside me. And I did a podcast earlier uh, last week and it was my first podcast where I was the guest maybe my second in in a year so this is my third so I I appreciate you having me um and and you know when we said let's let's film it this time last time I was like I don't want anyone in the room I just want it to be me and the person who's asking me questions because I do get nervous I I get very nervous it might not come across that way but I do get nervous to be on camera and for and for a lot of attention to be on me having said that I had a lot of experience when I was younger I mean I love drama class I should have known see the science probably didn't make a lot of sense I love I took I went to drama school then when I was doing my nutrition degree the exams I thought were terrible but my favorite parts were always when we had presentations I love standing up in front of everybody and speaking is something about the cameras make me a little bit nervous because I, I mean I didn't grow up in an era where people were videotaping you all the time and I certainly didn't grow up in a household where we spoke a lot about ourselves you know it wasn't like yeah. Laura Inc like me brand kind of kind of idea it was ask people about themselves don't speak too much about yourself be humble and so the idea of of podcast is a little intimidating because that kind of goes against my nature but as we mentioned before like if it's, if it's scary to me, then it's probably something I should do. Like, don't let the fear push you away, kind of be drawn to it. There's that curiosity thing coming back again. And, and this has intimidated me for a bit, but I always had jazz kind of as my crutch on the podcast, which was super helpful. Cause he's done hundreds of these hundreds of these. Um, and so now I'm kind of like, okay, I need to get rid of my crutch, you know, in, in life, you, you, as, as we're kids, our parents are our crutch. And then maybe it's our coaches and our teachers but every now and then you kind of got to get rid of that, that person or thing. That's, that's allowing you to be complacent. I hate complacency more than anything. I, I always want to strive for more. And that usually means getting outside my comfort zone. So I appreciate that. You think I seem comfortable. Um, <laughs> that means I'm getting a little bit better.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, like you said, you've been doing it as a, with a crush for a little bit, for a little while. So I think that's been great, but it's, it's also great to hear that you're ripping off the training wheels and, uh, and doing it more on your own as well. Um, and I know you'll just continue, like you're obviously, you're also, you're already seem natural and, and doing great. So you're just going to get better and better. So that's, I know that's how I felt when I first, I, didn't, I wasn't really that uncomfortable when I first started, but it was funny, I was going back and listening to one of my old podcast episodes um, like yesterday and I was like, this is brutal. But I, I, I've always been somebody who's excited and I was just like yelling in the microphone. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs>
1: yeah. Sometimes I go back to some of those old videos and I'm thinking, oh, I'm so awkward. Or, or, you know, even right now I'm playing with this pen, right? And I'll probably look at this later. Like, why were you playing with the pen? Just put the pen down, be relaxed. But... <sighs> Um, you know, kudos to you for even going back and looking at your your game footage, so to speak. I actually find it difficult a lot of times going back and looking at like it's one thing to reflect on paper like debrief how did we do? It's another thing to actually watch it. and yeah. uh, and um, I, i've I've come to learn with Kobe's passing, I guess he him and his daughter, like they spent a, a lot of time having her really review her her work. Um, even when she lost, when she was like, I don't want to, I don't want to review this. I don't want to look at it. I don't want to see the loss because it's painful. There's emotion attached to that. I find that like, if I film something, sometimes I'll just post it and I'll think, well, that probably went good enough in my, in my head. It sounded good, but I mm-hmm. won't watch it sometimes. Um, so I, you know, I'm working on that too. That's the thing. We're all a work in progress. There's always going to be things where we're fearful of. Um, but the, the goal is to just keep keep at it, keep trying. Like you're way better at podcasting now than you were when you started. No one expects you to be a good past podcaster when you start, really. No yeah. one expects people to be great on camera, really. Like some people have some natural talent, but everyone can get a little bit better, right?
0: Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, well, down to the, uh, the last couple of questions here. So I think that in order to get closer to the best version of yourself, one of the most important things to start off with is to try to gain clarity on what you think the best version of yourself looks like and what you think the best version of yourself is capable of. And my goal every single day is to try to gain more clarity and then to try to reverse engineer that person into reality. And so about 6-12 months ago or, or so, I came up with a question that I started asking myself, which is what I'm getting ready to, to ask to you, and I found it really helpful. Um, is there a particular skill or piece of knowledge that the best version of yourself has that you don't currently have?
1: Um, the best skill I think I could give myself, and I think my future self would thank me for, is being comfortable with myself, comfortable in my own skin. And I don't necessarily mean confidence, because I think a lot of people, you know, that can come across as a bit egomaniac, so to speak. I just mean, knowing who I really am and knowing what my flaws are I have a lot of flaws but being comfortable with it like being comfortable in that skin um, if I can get to that place then there's nothing I can't do
0: yeah I think a lot of people would would say the same thing what do you think like if I had to tell you okay if that's your goal for two months down the road what's something you can do tomorrow in order to get better at that what would you say
1: Okay, so you know now I'm gonna do this when I go home. <laughs> stick to it. I gotta stick to it. I'm gonna start with. Look, every day most of us look in the mirror at some point, right? Um, maybe I, I women's probably spend a little bit more time doing our hair and makeup, but I've started writing like little notes to myself and sticking them on my mirror. Words of affirmation or just reminders. Um, I think at the end of the day, if I can continue to say positive things about myself, because if I'm not going to say them, I'm, I sure know that most people won't be saying them for me. Um, mm. I think that can be can be a, a powerful tool. You, you have to take the power into your own hands. You can't go look to your parents to tell you what a good girl you are, a good boy you are. You can't go look for um, A's, straight A's on a report card to tell you what kind of person you are. You have to look yourself in the mirror every day um and whether you believe in faith or not um at the end of your life it's going to be you on that deathbed and you're going to know your story you're going to know if you took shortcuts you're going to know if you cheated the system or hurt people that's that's all for you to know and you're going to really be the one that has to live with that on your dying days and so i think if i can just start being a little bit kinder to myself you know Mm -hmm expecting the best and wanting the best and always room for improvement, but really looking that person in the eye every day in that mirror and saying, you got this, you're strong, you're capable.
0: I like it. I like it. Well, before I ask the last question, I want to acknowledge you real quick because I think that early on, like we talked about the kind of that 10 year period where you were jumping around from industry to industry, job to job. I think it, as I mentioned earlier, I think it would be really easy for people to, stifle themselves or hold themselves back by thinking like oh i can't move again i can't switch jobs again i can't change industries again but you were always out there seeking the next thing because you wanted to be fulfilled and be happy and all that thing so i think that's really cool and then the other thing i want to make sure i acknowledge you for is your ability to self-reflect because i think it's so much easier i know for me it's so much easier said than done to like take the time later on in the day and reflect on how that went because like you said sometimes it's like painful to have to go back and, and look at what exactly happened. And sometimes you think it's a waste of time, but we all know it's probably not, but it's still hard to convince ourselves to find the time to do it. So I think your ability to do that is really cool.
1: Definitely. And you know, a tip for people, I I've started doing it. I don't want to call it a diary or journal. I know some people get a little bit, uh, weird about that. Um, but you know, just split your page in half and right on one side of the page, just before you leave the office or you 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 know you leave your kitchen table to go to the couch if you're at home for for uh, quarantine or whatnot, is, is what did I do that gave me energy today? And what did I do today that took energy away? Mm. And you'll, you'll start to see a pattern. You'll start to see a very clear pattern on the things that bring you joy. And, and not every job, like it's not like I sit here and I love my job. I get emails that I, I can't even believe sometimes. They, they just throw me for a loop. But what, like, if the majority of my day is spent in something that like, feeds my soul, that gives me energy, then I'm probably in the right place. And if it's not, then I think you really need to start getting creative in your own mind on ways you can find tasks within your current role, tasks within your current job to give you a little bit more energy. Or unfortunately, you might have to do an overhaul. And yeah, that's t- hard. But on, at, at my age, 35, because I've done it so many times, I, I don't fear that at all. If I had to switch careers tomorrow, I got it.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I love that exercise. Split the paper in half and write down what gave you energy. Write down what took energy away. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to steal that and and start implementing. Um, well, I know everybody's gonna want to go learn more about you, so make sure you go follow her on Instagram at Laura Stewart too. I'll have that in the show notes, and you can go to find her blog that she mentioned at Medium.com/slash Laura's playlist. And you guys need to make sure that. You follow the REC Experience podcast, as you can kind of see in the background there um, on YouTube and every, every place that you can find podcasts as well. Well, Laura, the last question is, I think getting closer to the best version of yourself is a constant journey, and I also think it's a unique journey. Like you said, we're always, we're also, we're always a work in progress. Um, so if there are three things that you can currently do or three things that you can currently work on to get closer to that best version of Laura Stewart that you could possibly be, what are those, those, what are those three things that you could currently do or work on?
1: Um, systematizing would be one. And by that, I mean, there's so many things in our lives that take up a lot of time and effort that don't necessarily move us toward our goal, or that can be done easier. Um, I do food delivery, for example, it's a little bit more expensive, but a, I don't waste a lot of produce. I get to eat healthfully, um, and I have meals ready for me when I get home. Um, so that's, that's, you know, let's cut out the things that don't provide you. Like, again, like if something's not bringing you pleasure, me for me, cooking, wasn't bringing me any pleasure when I got home. And so finding those things that, that free up time, I I think is really important. And I think you can only really do that through systematizing. Um, I think if, you know, there's certain ways, like if we're talking from a getting yourself out there and getting yourself past your own, you know your own fear so to speak is really determining what it is you're good at so yes i'm getting better at video yes i do podcasting but i started with blogs okay because i'm a much better writer than i am these other two things and so i think start with the lowest common denominator start with something that you're good at start with your strengths and and then build off of that by doing the blog i now sometimes get to go into my blog take out some Things I wrote and then post that, and so you can multi-purpose things. So again, back to the system that I mentioned as the first thing, you can you save yourself some time just by building out one macro piece of content. And the last tip I would say for people is just to surround yourself with like-minded people. Not because I think it's not important to surround yourself with people of differing opinions, but I when I say like-minded people, I mean people who have similar goals to you, who are rooting for you. Um, you know, if, if you surround yourself with with five ambitious people or successful people, you're gonna you're gonna be the sixth, right? Um, and so I always try to look for people who, who again, give me energy, who fill my cup, who want nothing but the best for me, and they're gonna be your tribe for for life. So that's super important. Mm,
0: I love it. I love it. Three great things. Well, I appreciate it, Laura. That's all we got today. Thanks so much.
1: Thanks so much, Nick. I appreciate it.
0: Of course. There you have it. Such an awesome episode with Laura. I don't know if y'all were able to tell when listening, but when she was recounting the story of that unsuccessful showing that her team had, I could just see and feel the sadness from her voice. Like you could literally feel her re-experiencing those emotions that she had on that day. And I could see the pain that she still experienced from it. But that's what kicked their team into high gear. That's what inspired them to get going to take more action and be smarter every single day moving forward. If you liked this episode or were inspired by it, be sure to leave the show a rating and review on the Apple Podcast app or on iTunes. Let me know what you liked about the interview with Laura, and if you're not subscribing already, make sure you do so right now. I always post these interviews to YouTube as well, so be sure if you're subscribing over there. You can find that and all the show notes for the episode at nickcarrier.com podcasts slash Laura Stewart. Remember, do the hard stuff first. Invest on the front end so it becomes a little bit easier down the road. And remember, making money quickly and relatively easily is probably not going to be very good, even though it might sound great. It can lead you to complacency, and complacency is the root of all evil, in my opinion. For now, it's time. It's time to take action. It's time to do the hard stuff first to set yourself up for success down the road. I mean, that could mean getting up early and getting the workout done right away so you don't have to think about it the rest of the day. It could mean systematizing out some things in your business or in your job so that it happens automatically on the back end. It's time to determine what you're good at and surround yourself with like-minded people because those are the things that will get you closer and closer to your best you.